Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel and Gale Says podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, our creative director, Dalia Fawaz, and managing director, Zoheir Zoahed, are joined by Suwad Al-Serkal, Vice President of Strategic Communications at Tabreed, for a conversation on how, through our partnership, Suwad helped transform a utilities company into an essential services brand. Hello everyone, my name is Zoheir Zoahed, Managing Director at Siegel & Gale in Dubai. Siegel & Gale is a global strategic and brand experience design firm. Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a bi-weekly virtual web service where our global brand consultants deliver actionable insights, host live case studies, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. Each episode, we unlock one topic from brand purpose, strategy, design, naming, communications, to experience, and more. Today, we talk about uncovering authentic purpose and universal expression for an essential brand. How do you get it right? And do it in a way that resonates with the community it serves. The world is now more complex than ever, with the human race facing challenges such as the current global pandemic, climate change, inequality and political instability. It is a world where essential services have become even more essential. For over two decades, Abu Dhabi-based Tabreed has worked in some of the harshest climates on Earth, delivering centralized cooling plants in districts across the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Oman and Saudi Arabia. Powered by ambitious growth plans, the brand needs a big authentic purpose and universal expression to guide the organization, a process that uncovered the three key truths of the breed. Firstly, the breed is a vital service people cannot live without. Secondly, the breed offers people a tangible way in which they can reduce their carbon footprint. And thirdly, energy efficiency, operational excellence, and infrastructure development skills help shape the communities and countries they operate in. I'm joined today by Dalia Fawaz, our Head of Director at Siegel and Game, and Suad Al-Surkan, Vice President of Strategic Communications at Tabreed. Dalia and Suad will lead an in-depth conversation on uncovering brand purpose for essential services. It will explore what it takes to position a brand for the community it serves, outline the processes involved, and identity and identify what's key to bringing it to life. We will also discuss our partnership with Tabreed and how we help them evolve the brand to the next generation. I invite you to ask questions as we have allocated time at the end of the discussion. Please put your questions in the chat box and I will get to as many as we can. You can also follow us on Twitter, hashtag Future of Branding. And now, without further ado, over to you, Dalia. Thank you. Thank you, Zuhair. And thank you, everybody, for joining us from what seems to be many, many different places in the world. Let's start at the beginning, um, unlocking brand, talking about evolution, talking about change. I think we're all very familiar with change over the last year. It's been um, unusual times, to say the least. And I think what's interesting when we start to think about how people change and the reason behind why people change, we really think, is it the smartest? Is it the strongest? Is it you know the ability to outwit? competition. But in all frankness, when we really dig down and look at it and look at Darwin's origin of species, the 
survival of the fittest stems from the ability to respond to change and to be responsive to change and to be adaptable, you know, to really adjust to the changing environment around you as it changes, to constantly reinvent yourself, to constantly find yourself relevant to the immediate uh, surroundings that you live in. And what's interesting is that there's a lot on change out there. You know, how do people change? How do organizations change? How do things from societal org organizations all, all the way through to businesses, you know, change and also change within yourself? How do you challenge yourself to always improve, to always adapt, to always grow within whatever field, you know, strikes a chord with you? And I think when we start to examine closely at businesses and organizations and brands more specifically, we really have these trigger points. You know, why do fundamentally businesses start to um, look for that moment in their journey and in their development to start to signal a shift? You know, and this can be many things. And what we see really at the top of that is change of management, change of leadership. There's a regulatory change. They have a change of policy internally. There is something around the values that drive them. Obviously, one of the more popular and more obvious ones is business shifts. You know, there's a, they're signaling a shift that the business is changing. There's the competition they need to keep up with. Sometimes over the years, they lose their identity and it's time to reinterpret themselves, which is something we're all familiar with. And then obviously, external societal drivers. So this idea of change is this idea of adaptability. You know, what does it really mean when we look at the actual verb you know, to make fit as for a new use, often by modification? I've got an illustration here of, um, of something called the kangaroo rat that thrives in the desert by having adapted over the years not to need a drop, a single drop of water. Um, alternatively, they get all their, you know, all their moisture and all their water from the food that they eat. So they have been able to reinterpret themselves, readapt, and survive based on that, you know, external factor having them needing to change. And we're gonna look at a few examples also because we also understand that, you know, change is, can be a small shift and sometimes change can be a big external signifier. However, it does run not only as a facade, but it does run deep through the organization. So sometimes a very small shift is a really big internal one where the values are being reinterpreted. So we're just going to look at a few examples that kind of ring true in the world we're living in now and that always serve as a, a nice point of reference to start to think about and really analyze and get under the skin of why these big organizations change and these, these, kind, of change, these kind of shifts that happen. You know, and a very interesting one is MasterCard, the, the need to kind of move towards a digital age. They realized they no longer needed MasterCard. Everybody was familiar with the two circles and it just became something that was unanimous across everything that they did. Facebook uh, wanted to be known for more than just Facebook. After acquiring Instagram, uh, WhatsApp and acquiring Oculus, they started to just make a very simple shift in their and their, and their colorways to start to adapt these colors from the different organizations. You know, talking about 
with Pfizer, which has become top of uh, top of head name in the in the past year and a half. Again, moving towards from this very diversified portfolio to like really focusing on biopharma and innovation within the biopharma um, sector, and just keeping their heritage. But again, that was a very internal big business shift. And then GM making the shift to you know that commitment to the environment, going electric. Again, we have the familiarity of the blue square, but it feels more modern, it feels more contemporary, it feels more relevant for the problem that they are trying to solve with their product line and their new product line. And when we start to you know, start this exercise with a partner, and a, like a great partner like Fabrid, um, you know, we look at our process and really start to think about how we can take the initial underlying fundamental kind of crux of what it is they'd like to achieve, how we distill that, simplify it, and then eventually amplify it so that we can start to articulate the brand within this new lens. And um, it's uh, obviously, uh, it's, uh, it's a great uh, exercise that's based on trust, it's based on mutual understanding, and it's based on a lot of conversations and back and forth uh, between us and, and you know the team at Tabreed, um, which enables the process to run the way it runs as well. Five key steps, you know, we really sit there, we want to unlock it, the why, we want to understand from the team that we're working with, you know, what are their challenges, what are their aspirations. We identify the white space. We use the power of design to help bring that opportunity to light. We ensure that it, the values are instilled from within the organization really start to emit themselves outwards to all the stakeholders. And then we work towards uh, day one, so a launch day, which is always super exciting. can be stressful, but super exciting. Stressful is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. Anxiety attacks, I'll tell you that the day before or whatnot, but yes, <clears throat> very true. Well, now that day one has gone through, and I'm sure you guys have, I mean, it looks great, but can you give us a little bit of context, like on a little bit before, 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 before we even came on board, before, before we even, you know, knew that there was this on the horizon for you and your team and your organization? So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I, I do, I'm an advocate to knowledge sharing. So this is, this is, I hope someone can kind of get something out of it and then kind of implement it onto their organization or their partnerships in the future. So once again, my name is Saad Sarkar, the Vice President of Strategic Communications. And I was the one privileged to work with CEO and Gail in regards to creating the new brand of Tabreed, a shift that was long overdue. You're talking about over 22 years of, of being stuck with that that Bergil, the wind tower, or what is architecturally known as a wind, uh, our old ACs, basically. And it was so obvious that to read with the entire portfolio that we had, that we needed to expand. We had to expand. And, and, um, and not only in regards to look and feel, it's just because we needed to be relevant to, you know, local markets, international markets, businesses overseas, et cetera. And the thing is, the brand was too tied up, as I said, to the Middle East. It was too tied up to our architecture in the GCC and the heritage, which means little, very little, or maybe anything to any other market a partner, customer, or anyone outside this region. So there was a feeling that Tabreed had outgrown the corporate identity specifically for the fact that the mandate of 2020 and 2021 and beyond was to expand internationally. So it was time to change up. 
move gears and become more relevant to people outside the UAE. So brand awareness for Tabreed was traditionally very low. Time to let people everywhere know what we do and how we do it and why we're great at it. So, so that, that was that was basically the, the the reason. And it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to expand our playing field, to to redefine the, the value proposition in line with a new strategy. So we wanted to go from regional to, to global. We wanted to kind of deviate from only being cooling to being an energy sector company. We wanted to shift from being a service provider to a developer. And and we didn't want to just be known as Tiberi District Cooling. We wanted to be uh, a brand of many services and, and many brands under it. So for us to be able to thrive and prosper and grow, it was a unified approach by everyone, the management and team and everyone is that we had to take that shift and uh, we needed to change the way the people, the audiences, uh, investors, partners, everyone saw us. And uh, rebranding would provide basically um, a springboard for talking uh, about a wider business, its objectives, roles, and sustainability and environmental protection. So, so that that was basically where it came from. It's 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 the need to change and to need the need to re-identify where we stand in in the market, basically. So I think we found like a a common starting point. I mean, this this holds true. You know, you, the, the shift, the change. This is everything we heard from you. This summarizes really very much kind of the output. I mean, many. I mean, there were many many things that obviously were taken into account, but this kind of summarizes the output of what you wanted to achieve. I think that definitely. Into, yeah. The thing is, you know, to to change a brand, it's it's a major hurdle. Okay, it's 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 not it's not an easy task, especially if you have a company like Tabreed with such, I would say, a fruitful past, and and um, people who have been working in the company since the inception. So, like the first block of Tabreed, that was a, there was an employee who still works there. So for us to take that identity from them was, uh, for me, that was the scariest thing in my entire life to actually go up to people and be like, okay, so how about we change? And the thing is, change, <laughs> the word change sometimes kind of is connected to a lot of negative connotation. And I didn't want to use a synonym, given the fact that we are such an international company. I wanted to change the perspective of the word change to a positive. I needed to use simple language to make sure that whoever reads the word change is happy about it. I don't need to tell them, oh, we're, you know, we're evolving. We are, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, progressing. I, I didn't want to change the cinema. I wanted the word itself to change the feeling a person would see when it came to that. And that was, that was the first wall that we had to hit. But I'm so happy that everyone was completely on board. I mean, you, you remember the, the interviews that went through at the beginning. The number one thing was we have so much to offer. We need to change. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty cool that everyone was on board. Um. I think, guess that, you know, the thing is, which was really interesting is because, because you talk about the Brazil, right? And you talk about yep. kind of like, you're a little bit apprehensive that people might not respond positively to change, even though you knew very much how much the organization and the company and the business has progressed over the years. And the amount fundamentally the amount of change that has happened without people knowing that change was happening like it was yep. it was moving really really quickly i mean this is why it was really interesting for us to kind of you know try and figure out what this white space for to breed was you know it was very much like i mean come on you guys are bringing cooling to the desert you know it's like yep. it is a big mammoth feat that being in i mean i've been in the region for almost you know 18 years now and never have i ever thought that there was 
cooling. You know, I just thought you buy an AC, you put an AC in your house, you know, that's I didn't think the there was this, like multi-billion <laughs> kind of like thing going on that was providing, you know, really efficient and, you know, socially responsible and environmentally responsible cooling. And it's, it's quite amazing. I mean, obviously we all saw the Brigitte, we were all very familiar with it. They're all around town and we see it, but really the big opportunity was, you know, how do we start to shift to from, you know, like, I'm, I mean, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but like from being perceived as an AC unit to something that is much, much, well, much bigger. Oh, no, definitely, 100%. So the, the first day I joined to breed, I remember so, so well. The, the day that I signed my contract with the company, I ran to my dad, God rest his soul, and I was like, oh my God, I got a job with to breed. And he looks at me and he's like, you are going to work in an AC company? And I'm just like, come on. <laughs> that's not that's not what it is. But but that's the thing. I mean, this is what the logo, the identity made everyone perceive it as. And and believe me, by the way, when we did the RFP and we invited everyone to come in, it was it was imperative for us to pick the agency or the group of people actually forget the word agency, the group of people that we would actually click with that we would kind yeah. of the, the right word is to trust with our brand. That was that was extremely important. And it took us quite some time, if you remember, to actually narrow down <laughs> who did we want to be part of the team and the interview process and the meetings and I don't know what. And and it was it was it was such it was such a thorough problem because it it was it, it was important, as you said, this is this is a legacy that we're gonna be changing. This is something huge that we're gonna be taking from one of what I would say the most iconic, you know, infrastructures in the region, the Virgil itself. So so we were very, very careful about like who we spoke to and, and how, how we approach things. And and uh, we needed we needed someone who would just walk in and actually understand and, and actually understand the brand and where it's supposed to go. I'm honestly, I'm going to take this opportunity on this platform to, to sincerely thank you guys as a team oh, to, to take the time to understand us as people, because we're very, we're very protective of, of the brand, to be very honest, and to understand the actual brand and the essence of what it is, because it is important for anyone who's listening and anyone who's actually looking into creating a new brand or is at the agency side trying to uh, change a new brand is to please do take the time because it's 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 like it's like beautifying a person's baby. Not a single person <laughs> wants to hear that their baby's ugly, so it's important to be to be to be understanding. Kind of like take your time to get to know the brand, and and that was that was one of the key elements that kind of helped in in making that rollout take place. But yeah, air conditioning that was that was that was the, that was what my parents thought I, I worked at, but yeah. It's funny. I mean, I mean, okay, that was uh, the kind of the wow factor, you know, we bring cooling to the desert, but obviously there were many, many things behind it that, that kind of reaffirm the need to change, you know, we, there, there was a need for a united purpose that could run through and in and out of the organization and a role that you talked about, obviously, which is we want to extend beyond just here, the region, it's a global, you know, it's a global affair really enhance and benefit the partnerships that we have and allow for those partnerships to flourish and the types of partnerships to also completely multiply and proliferate and really talk about this ability for you to adapt. Yep. You know, I mean, this is kind of the, the outtake 
of the interviews and the discussions that we had, which, which were great. And just to, to go to really kind of summarize it is the shift from utility to something that is essential. You know, you think of utility, you know, and I think we've never ever thought about how important utilities are until we were all in lockdown. I know, <laughs> right? actually missed the supermarket <laughs> when people were like <laughs> applying for passes just to go to, you know, to like co-op. <laughs> the, the thing is, it's like, I, how, how did we realize as, as to read that, you know, we're such a vital service when the page, the, you know, when the money came in, and everyone was we were very fortunate to be working in a utilities industry which is essential for people's you know living and the fact that you know people were being paid to, to work from home they were using air conditioning more and the bills ramped up and we're like wait a second we could be like one of the only companies who actually are making profit in a, in a pandemic and that's when it kind of clicked in my head i'm like we are so essential for for everyone and and that that's that's why when we kind of like brought up the entire idea of essential for progress and we we're like that is so true that is so true. I mean, yeah. the, the, this, this, this date and time just kind of proved it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's your segue right there. It's the talk that I mean, this idea of essential to progress. I mean, this is what we landed on. We did a few things and we, ju we just couldn't. I think we worked very closely with the team. We couldn't quite capture exactly the essence of that shift. Like, how do we go from this just being something that people take for granted, this utility to this you know, this essential thing, and it is, you are essential to progress, you know, you are so essential that it's almost, you know, impossible for anything to move yeah. forward. But what did this mean really, when we landed on this, what did this really mean for your interior team, for your internal team, for kind of how did it resonate? How do you feel it started to articulate? So the idea made sense. All right. The, the, the mm -hmm. entire, entire thing of, of being essential, the, the speaking to the very nature of the energy you know, and empowering the world and then progress, the value of naturally um, including that what Tabrit really does through its energy offerings. So energy to progress, uh, essential to progress is it was it was it just made sense because, you know, it conveys the idea of being critical and indispensable for life without just recalling many of the places and things that we take for granted simply wouldn't be possible you know, uh, to experience nine months of the year. So, so I mean, we, we, I, I always joke about it, but we practically live on the sun. It's that hot sometimes. Uh, so so the, the idea of essential to progress, it, at the beginning, it was like the ego played a mm. little bit internally. It's like, are, are you sure we want to be, you know, people who say that we are essential to progress? Like, are you... The, the team is extremely humble so it was it was it was pretty i think it was a challenge for us to kind of like convince them like no you guys we we are actually essential to progress we are essential to 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 you know people places and environments because w without us in this region in this heat a lot of things can happen you can't you know you can't produce when you're in heat you can't enjoy yourself when you're heat you can't actually live when you're in, in such heat when it's when it's like 39 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? So we, we kind of like try to say that, you know, we help societies. We try to convince people, to, not convince, to remind people in, in the organization that we are, we help societies, we help communities to not only function, but to develop and prosper. prosper. So we kind of brought in the, the idea of, by the way, we are part of the Cool Coalition with the United Nations uh, Environment Program. We are part of, you know, the Ministry of Climate Change and Environment. We we literally are 
we're feeding them with information that helps them create their strategies to lower the degrees of you know the plan and to limit the degree of going up to provide you know sustainable cooling so we are definitely essential to the progress of the world because our information and our technologies ensures a better future life for future generations and once that clicked Everyone was like, oh my God, that is so right. And that is exactly who we are. And then they realized it's, it's, it's less about ego and more about facts, basically. Absolutely. And how do you feel it like um, resonated with your external stakeholders when that was communicated? Funny enough, we didn't really need to explain why we called ourselves essential to progress. Or we, we kind of like used that narrative under our under our logo that we are essential to progress it, we didn't really need to explain they're like well yeah you they are a utilities business and you know <laughs> they they do provide you know sustainable cooling and and people thought and some people were going to laugh but they thought the new brand identity was sexy and when they told me that i'm just like please identify what sexy is to you like now, <laughs> the new brand is just kind of weird for me but anyways whatever makes you sleep at night but the, the fact <laughs> is that they actually liked it. They actually accepted that yeah. and, and they connected with it. They connected with, with the narrative. They connected with the purpose and, and they connected with, with their attributes and values. And they're yeah. like, yeah, this actually makes sense. This is what you guys are and who you are. Yeah. So they're probably just using a cool word for we like it. <laughs> so, Make me feel better. Make me so yeah, much better. I've, heard, I've heard worse. <laughs> or uncomfortable in the conversation, but it was, <laughs> it went well. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's great there. And that brings us to a little bit about how the design played out in the whole process. And I think there was a lot of back and forth. Again, it was just to try and get that right, you know, that right articulation of the platform. And I think what's interesting when you think of essential, it's something that is absolutely necessary. But if I was to ask you now at the top of your head, what is absolutely necessary? Can you name an object or something that's created? I mean, other than water, other than oxygen, it's quite difficult to think of something that is essential. We've made things essential. The iPhone, we can't live without yeah. it. <laughs> you know? uh, the thing is, sorry, but this, this is one thing that, I, that I, I believe, and this is something I think that this is story time, but <laughs> I believe you create value to absolutely what you have or what you do. Um, and I say this a lot to my subordinates. It's like, okay, so how do I have like, you know, I don't know, management see that I am worthy of a promotion. I'm like, you need to create value for your position. Absolutely. You need to make them feel that you are indispensable, that you're bringing something important that, that they can't live without you. So you need to create the fact that you are, you know, necessary for them to be like, okay, fine. So to sustain this person, we need to kind of like promote, increment, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So I, I do believe that we create that 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 value to the object for it being necessary or unnecessary yeah absolutely i mean i we ha we have become kind of value creating society for sure i mean it's interesting because here i just wanted to put like a couple of examples of things that we've come almost you know to become almost part of our everyday life like there isn't a house without a post-it note in it and now there isn't a house without a face mask in it you know like we wouldn't even have thought that maybe yeah. there are things happening around this where design is coming in filters are being put in it's being yeah. again being evolved and designed and you know brought in to make it more relevant and to make it more kind of add to that essentiality if you like so make it more coveted than just being essential so it's just very interesting to start to think about what are the things that we would miss if they're gone, you know, and, and, and we, we'd never really think about utilities. But the interesting part, 
I think for us in terms of the design, in terms of the design team, in terms of what, what our aspirations were for the brand and what we wanted to achieve is, you know, we really want, we, we, we're very proud, or at least I am very proud of brands that talk to people, you know, that start to make a connection with people, that people feel that it's kind of talking to them, you know? And I think people do have, and I love this quote, which is people ignore designs that, that ignore people, you know? It's like, you can't be, you can't feel like you mean something if that someone or something doesn't make you feel like you're worth it or you matter or that you are essential, you know? So at the end, there needs to be that dialogue. And um, we wanted to create- You can see that, a, sorry, but you can see that in conversation. I mean, if you're talking absolutely. to someone, they're not looking you in the eye you you feel that they lost interest and you don't have that connection with that person and and that's exactly what the brand does if the, the brand is not looking into your soul and connecting with you you really don't you don't really care you won't give back. The brand. Yeah. Yep. you won't give back you know it's an exchange of energy if you like or it's an exchange of attention you know where energy flow attention goes energy flows so i think we wanted to kind of take that essential for progress and think about what it meant for us you know, tangibly start to like articulate it, start to create it. And we quite landed on this idea of duality. And I think the idea of duality, just because it started to give visual cues and also it answered a lot to how you functioned as a business. You know, we heard it from everybody. You know, you're very much about that, making sure that you look at both sides of everything, that you study things well, that you make decisions in a way that is very calculated, methodical and beneficial for the whole landscape that you're working on. And so when you progress, you progress with caution and care. You know, there is that element to, I think, I think everyone in the team we met, we, we felt that this was, you know, there. And I think, I know we we go back and say, oh, the Bergeel and it's so old. So, but at the end of the day, if you really think about it conceptually, the Bergeel was an icon of progress and the ability yep. to be able to create something architecturally through design in order to cool a building it's quite amazing, you know, at a time when resources were limited. So there is a lovely story there that we we wanted to capture somehow in a way, but in a way that felt more relevant and that started to talk a little bit more about where you wanted to go and where you are now and where the organization is moving forward towards. And this goes back to this idea of, you know, balancing risk over reward. You know, when you develop you develop, you see the future of things, but at the same time, you, you see the effects and you take those into consideration. There's an element of care, there's an element of, of responsibility, you know, and also, again, you, you're stable, but then that does not mean just because there's stability, we're not going to grow. We're still going to grow. We're still going to be ambitious. We're going to move forward. And that's kind of the idea behind the symbol that we kind of landed on in the end. You know, we wanted to capture this flow, this ever moving back and flow which is the circular element it's also the cross section of a water pipe which is the white pipes that run under and the, you know provide that cooling but at the same time it's a really nice metaphor for you know who you are your core competency your strength your base and then the ability to provide things and just created i think a um a rich visual language we wanted also to really play on that symbol and start to use it in many, many different ways. So this is where I take over a little bit and talk about design, my passion for design. <laughs> and then just, you know, just making it feel like this progressive brand that felt light, that felt accessible, you know, that felt more human, but at the same time, 
was progressive, was moving forward, you know, did not also ignore the stakeholders. I think it's, 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 it's um, one of those things where you have to balance perceptions because you, you, you're at the end of the day, you are one of the beacon brands of the UAE, right? You know, you're really like, there, there are a few we can count on our one hand that are the likes of your, your kind of your, you know, your strength and then your breadth as well, and then your stature. And then we just wanted to open that up so that it made sense to everyone, to all your target audiences and landed on a, on a, um, you know, a brand identity that felt fresh, that felt consistent and that had the ability to really play around with all the like different touch points, whether digital or print and, you know, and just start to really speak that language about this progress and this movement and the ability to, to lighten up your world really, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, we do see, we do take it for granted, but when it's gone, we're very, very, very quick to miss it. You know I mean? It's like you live with an, without an, without cooling for three minutes and you're complaining. Uh, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we're very proud of the work we've done today. I mean, the team uh, really enjoyed working on this with you and, and your team. And we just wanted your stance a little bit on like, what was it like when you started to, you know, tell people we've changed. Hey, hello. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened from the inside out? How did the or you know exercise impact the organization? How did you introduce it to the team? Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, since since the since day one that I've joined, I think everyone in Tabrid knows like, okay, that woman is trouble. I'm all about I'm all about change. I'm all about adapting, and I'm all about you know progressing and 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 all of that. I mean, I I understand that there are things. If it's not broke, why fix it? Kind of situation. I understand that that kind of mentality that people might have. But I'm I'm all about okay. So what's trending right now? What's what's how can we be up to date? How can we quote unquote, run with the big dogs when it comes to our industry. That, that's important to me because as a publicly listed company that, you know, we're, we're you know, revenue generating. So it was, it was very important for me to, to make sure that I, first of all, lobby for the idea of changing the logo. So in the three years that I've been with Tabreed, I've seen a couple of CEOs. So the first CEO that I was with, he, he left maybe, I think he was with the company for like, I don't know, for 10, over 10 years, he left maybe like nine months into my tenure, maybe one year into my tenure. And when I first introduced that to him and he's like, you know, everyone is like, you know, comfortable with the logo. Everyone is comfortable with it. We don't want to change. We're, we're regional. We're not going to be going international. And I was like, okay, but because it made sense. If it's, it was regional, we don't really, we need to change because the Bergio kind of resonates with everyone. And then when the new CEO, Badr Lemke came on board and I realized that his mandate from the board was to go international. And I was like, wait a second. That's my team. So, and that's when I kind of like lobbied it with a couple of my colleagues. And I'm just like, okay, so what do you guys think? Do you think that we are ready for a shift in our in our brand? And and because people start talking about it, and I, I kind of like, you know, introduced it to the new CEO at that time, he was completely, you know, happy and, and excited. And and that's that's the thing that kind of like pushed me to to be able to do that. And one key point that I made sure that I mentioned when I said, let's do the RFP and let's invite agencies in was to tell the management. I'm like, by the way, one of the outcomes might be we don't need to change our logo. That, that, that could be a finding that, you know, our public does not want us to change the budget and they're happy with it. And we might not end up changing it. Maybe, maybe we would end up tweaking it. And that, I think, eased the idea of like, you know what? 
let's give it a try. Let's check it out. Let's see what people have to say. And and what played for my side is that the fact that, you know, we are a publicly listed company and we've expanded not only to be listed on the Dubai financial market, now we're in London Stock Exchange. So more and more people are kind of like looking at us, more investors internationally are looking into investing with a company. So we have to be relevant. And I, as I mentioned before, the entire lobbying part and working there for two years, at least like in the beginning of it, so two years of lobbying and, and kind of introducing the idea on like change is good, change is positive, change is a good feeling, assisted on the day we said, all right, let's send out that RFP. Let's see, let's see what it is and let's see how 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 can we kind of approach this. And 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 I just I just had to get everyone on board to tell them, by the way, this is not gonna be oh you know a, a Mary Poppins thing or, or the fairy godmother with a swing of a wand and everything's gonna be done. I'm like this is a very long process. This for us to kind of like ease our way into that change, um, it's not going to be overnight. And that also kind of comforted people because instant change also scares people. It's like, oh my God, how are we going to yeah. be doing this? So the entire idea, okay, let's phase it out. Let's do it slowly. So we get people kind of comfortable with the idea of that change. And then when we we kind of like showed them, it's 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 like you're taking someone out of the house after a year of quarantine and introducing them back to life. And that, that scare factor, it's like, okay, do I really want to see people? Do mm-hmm. I really want to be introduced to this new way of life again? That that was that was what we were trying to lobby for. And, and I'm so glad that it did work. I mean, management support was extremely important. And and again, the fact that we are an international multinational company also helped in, in the, the, the adaptation of, of the new logo. But yeah. And the team internally? Yeah, the team internally was was excited about it. And the fact that we kind of involved them with all the steps, yeah. they felt that they had a say in it. So when we interviewed people about it, they felt that this is the fruit of their input. Right. That they 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 had a say in how we look because change management, changing organizations or whatever. It it when when it's just implemented and you had no say to it. It's like okay, so why doesn't it matter to me? Why does it matter to you? What I think. I mean, I worked here for twenty odd years. So why wouldn't you think that I matter? So that was also something that we we had to make sure that, you know what, no, the interview levels had to be across and, uh, and we need to make sure that everyone's on board when it came to that. And and the fact that they were very involved in everything was was really helpful. Awesome. So kind of count day one as the day it's born. <laughs> well, my- the day it's born and the day... <laughs> We didn't sleep the month before the actual launch. So we did our so so the launch was on Burj Khalifa. All right. That was that yeah. was on the eleventh of April. I'll never forget that date. And on the twelfth of April we had the Dubai Financial Market Markets Bell Ringing, which is an event that company public listed companies do when they're introducing new things into the market. So we got the exception. See, I love talking. I'm always on a mic somewhere. So so for <laughs> for us to be the only company like you know publicly listed to be able to kind of ring the bell and introduce the new logo to the financial market was a huge deal because as i said no company was allowed to do that and i don't know if any company will be allowed to do that it's um it's it's it was, it was a it was a it's an exception that i am forever grateful to dfm for giving us that opportunity when when we are kind of planning towards you know the, the Burj unveiling we honestly couldn't sleep because it's like we were like there every day uh, we had drones in, we had, you know, we had buses. It, it was the branding, the making sure that everything, even, even the light bulbs, like I had to change the light bulbs. And, and it was like, it's all the details. I, on the bridge? 
No. I'm sorry? Yeah, <laughs> I was looking grid? at every light bulb on the Burjus section and there's no mishap. But I want to tell you something. On the day, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I was at the point where I'm just like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm done. I'm just going to go somewhere and have a tiny heart attack because this is not happening. You're talking about <laughs> fire alarms going off. You're talking about boards falling over. You're talking about the sound from the Burj Khalifa didn't go through. You're, ta- you, you, you're talking about everything. The macaroons were not in on time. The food was something was missing. It was just, I'm like, no, this is not, <laughs> this is not happening. And, and, and the thing is, I was the mother of the bride. That was my child on there. Like I'm, I'm supposed to make everything like completely okay. The good thing is that with all the, the entertainment activities, you know, the people talking to each other and the videos playing in the background, the people didn't really notice anything wrong. It's me because I knew what was, yeah, you know, yeah. being put together. But after that and doing the, the DFM bell ringing ceremony, I was like, you know what? Whoever's going to take my job next, top it. <laughs> so it was completely great. But it is such an exhilarating feeling to, to, to be there and see your brand on the tallest building in the world. Yeah. And the Amar was completely amazing to support us with that. And, and everyone was like, this logo is unbelievable. And you can hear the people scream downstairs yeah. oh, nice. in, in the crowd. You know, they are clapping. And I'm just like, I, I got goosebumps again, which which like to me, it's I'm like, well, Tabrid employees are not there. Tabrid employees are here. And it's it's the fact that people are supportive of, of that new shift. That means people are looking, people are noticing these things. Yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing. It's always amazing. I mean, to see a brand that, you know, that you've had the honor to work on, like out there. I mean, let alone on Burj Khalifa. I mean, I think that's like the pinnacle of of everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I was even saying it to all my uh, kids' friends. I'm like, hey, the logo I worked on on Burj Khalifa. They're like, wow, well done. <laughs> For them, that sort of resonated with them. It was it, it was really really amazing, and it was really kind of also great. I mean, because. We create the brand, you know, we kind of guideline it. But I think here we had a bit of a, more of a chance to work with your partners to sort of yeah. understand the things that you needed to, in order to make this, you know, this they want to this launch to happen. And it was just a, like, honestly, a great partnership from the beginning. You know, we had it definitely uh, was it definitely was amazing cannot, support from you guys. You know, I I cannot I cannot agree more. I mean, it. Again, the, the relationship was so important to me. I work off of energy. If I cannot yeah. click with you, we will not be able to produce. And it's true. And the fact that, like you know, we came up with this to me, it was just you know, wow! Like this is yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to take this time to congratulate you. Uh, Thank well you. done. You too. <laughs> and it was really an honor working with you. Honestly, likewise. True, true, true likewise. pleasure <laughs> with you and the whole team. Thank you. What do you have questions in? We do have a few Ooh. questions indeed. <laughs> Before I go to the questions, I just wanted to say, you know, it's just amazing going through that journey again and kind of looking at the different milestones that we went through with you and the team. It's, and really, it's, um, we're really proud of the relationship. Thank you so much, Saad, for trusting us with your brand and your baby. I mean, that's, that, that is really a big thing and we take pride in that. And we're very careful how we treat um, other people's babies. <laughs> Uh, so glad. 
but that's what they are. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, my regards to you and congratulations to you and the team there. I mean, uh, I think what struck me throughout the relationship is is the focus and the contribution from from the whole team at Tabreed. You know, they, they, you know, that you know, they, you guys had a very clear mind from the outset in terms of what you wanted to achieve, and that made a big difference uh, in terms of how we managed the project and how we delivered it. And where and where we reached, and that makes a big difference. You know, we were really we're really happy with the outcome, um, and look forward to kind of seeing more come out of Tabreed in the near future, more so, growth and more you know expansion. We do have a few questions. I'd like to start with one of my own first. You know, when I think about Tabreed and kind of the first things that struck me when we, you know, when we got the RFP and started thinking about the brand and then started working. You know, you are a utility business starting with that, but you know, again, you, you're not short term, as you mentioned earlier, the pandemic was kind of a highlight for you guys. Yeah. You guys as well, you know, are long term. You sign contracts 20, 30 years down the line. And you know, that's that's something. So in 30 years, your you know, clients need to make sure that you're still around to deliver yeah. the, the service. Basically, the question is then, you know, taking that into consideration, how do you think of the brand in that way as well and kind of deliver on that promise make sure that you do actually deliver a brand fit for that purpose well i, I think that's part of the need to change that you know what i mean so since since these contracts are, are 30 25 30 plus years we needed to make sure that when we're communicating the new brand also to the existing and new customers is that we're for life this so this is why we we kind of like landed on on the eternal concept of, of of you know the circle it's 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 forever it's ever forever flowing and then that's why we're gonna we're gonna we are aligned with how the, the you know the icon is towards what we actually provide and how our partnerships are and i think that's also something that resonated with the team that this actually sounds that this this actually makes sense instead of putting an infinity sign which is completely cliche but this is something like that it's it's a it's a forever revolving you know um relationship absolutely yeah. Fantastic. I mean, let me just share with you some of the questions that came through on the chat. One of the key questions were what misconceptions exist around branding an essential service? Well, I mean, I, I can I can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I think there are quite a few electricity companies that try to rebrand themselves uh, with the aim to kind of connect more with people and so on. And and just there wasn't really it just wasn't happening. You know, there, there's misconceptions, I think, around utility service that they just need to be very matter of fact, not connect with people, can be quite cut and dry, and can be just, you know, because at the end of the day, they, they're not really speaking to a consumer directly, so they don't need to have that dialogue. But, I mean, we've, we've, we've had this, right? We just talked about it now, where, where I, I, I think all brands, if they want to have a place in the world, and if they have a purpose that they want to, you know, live by, and if they have a... Um, and they're driven by something that they truly believe in, they need to have a presence in the world and they need to connect with people. You know, they, they need to feel like they're more than just, I don't know, a matchbox. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally agree with that. Actually, I, I would add, you know, thinking about it as well, I think you know, what, what we come to expect, as you said earlier from, from utility services is that, you know, it's kind of a take it or leave it thing. You know, you can't go elsewhere with a utility or an essential service usually. And you're treated as as such, and I think what strikes me to be different, obviously, at Tabreed is 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 you know you look at it from a different angle. That um, 
you know, uh, aspect of flexibility and adaptability and working with developers and communities to make sure that, you know, you deliver solutions that work better for them is something that differentiates the breed, actually. Okay, let me take another question. Another question to both of you, actually, to Saad and Dalia. What would be the, you know, the signs, the telltale signs along the way that this project is going in the right direction? That's the beauty of having a process of, of branding. So you have the discovery phase where you can actually sit down and, and have these interviews and, and get this all this information. Um, that's when you need to kind of like find out are you on the right path or not. Not not anywhere, in, in, I, I think, along the line. I mean, that, that phase takes so long at the beginning for that reason in specific, just for you to understand and rest assured that, yes, we are on the right track. We have the right information, and this is where we need to go. And then the design is is more, and the design phases is more of, of you know what people like, what they don't like, and how does it like you know fit with the entire all that. But the data gathering information part is is essential for you to 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 lock down and and take your time in in regards to to ensuring that you are on the right path. This is from my opinion. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. I I would say process as well. I mean, and then the fact that you know your client understands the process. You know, that is so valuable nowadays, honestly. And just to know that it is a dialogue. Again, we go back to this idea, you know, if you want me to help you, you need to help me. You need to open up, you need to engage, and there needs to be an exchange. And when that exchange happens, can, because we really don't do it on our own. We work in a team, we work together, and, and each one does their part, and all of these parts are valuable in having, you know, a good relationship and a good, you know, process. And that delivers a good outcome, you know, that everyone's happy with. And I would say that that was it. We were, we were really very blessed, I think. The, the, the amount of time when you're talking about the, the clients needing to understand how the process goes. If I had a, a dime for every time someone says, oh, you're just a communications department, I would be a gajillionaire. It's like, what are you talking about? She Writing a press release? Charging. She just started yeah, charging no, for them saying the wrong thing. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, oh, it's a press release. You can just write a press release. I'm like, uh, no. No, no, no. It, it's like it's like when they talk to you and be like, oh, it's just a design. You just put things together and you're just like, do you understand what Illustrator means? Do you know what it means to use that thing and actually get creativity flowing? I swear that the amount of times that I just want to like, you know, bite my hand and I'm just like, no. Yeah. What I say is I'm not a vending machine. You can't just put a coin in and something comes out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So true. Okay, cool. I think I think we do have um, um, an interesting one here as well, an interesting question. You know, specifically that you guys, you know, this project was done over the, the course of the past year and launched this, this year in, in, a, in a pandemic year. So how can you communicate the essential side of a brand in a time when healthcare is at the forefront? So when everything is all about healthcare, you know, how do you... Cutting through the clutter? Absolutely, I think, and kind of ca capture the attention and the mind space mm -hmm. to speak that, about... Actually, that is such an amazing question. And I'm so glad someone asked that because that was in the background of my head. And I'm just like, okay, so how can we, how can we stand out in such... a of a tough time and and that was my my key to to lobby for the idea of CSR at Tabreed as 
as an identity, as part of our DNA. And if you remember, I spoke about a lot about Tabrid Cares. And and then what I said was, is like, okay, so it's not an event anymore. It's something that we're going to be doing regularly. So I so when, when we're going to be changing the brand, how are we going to be able to kind of like identify with the communities? We have to be out there. So the approach that we did was, was we actually invested in the communities in the pandemic for the pandemic to help them, whether it was it with food for vaccines, with the medical supplies, R and D, cold chain, um, all all that stuff. Like, in, in, but in every community that we actually work at, and that definitely helped us kind of like push through our new brand. It's like um, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. It, it's it all takes yeah. you back to strategic thinking and strategic planning. It's like so, what what needs to come first, and how can you actually connect these dots together? Yeah, I mean that's amazing, right? Because. It, it, it goes back and answers to the value of your purpose and how you're driven as an organization, you know, and it's not just about like, because I would argue that in the pandemic, it's very easy to capture space because people are on their phones, people are accessible, actually more often than not, but how to, how to capture people, but how to actually make, capture people in a way that makes a difference and that yeah. means something, not only to them, but to you as well as, as, a, as an organization. Absolutely. Fantastic. I think I can sneak one last question in. How do you measure success? We just spoke about, you know, obviously day one and the launch. So there's a short term kind of, you know, when you the brand is first out, but then on the longer term for you, Saad, you know, how you know how do you know that in year one, year two, year three, things are working? It's uh, measuring measuring how well your brand works. I think doesn't, in my very humble opinion, doesn't play after you've already changed it. You need to know if it's going to work before you change it, but through interviews and through asking people if there is a need to change. And how how you make how you sell a product is is up to the marketeer and the communication artist. So how they actually kind of like you know communicate the the brand purpose, the brand narrative. It all falls on your shoulders to make sure that people kind of get why you picked that logo. And and that's that's where you kind of push for, look you know uh, wish for the best, but for you to to kind of know if it's if it's the right thing or if it's it's supposed to be successful, I think that's when you need to involve a lot of people in the organization, especially when you have a multinational organization with with different mindsets and very very opinionated personalities. That's where you can actually kind of take that. That's your study group. That that's your segmentation from from the community, and that's where you can kind of measure is it's going to actually work or not, and then based on that you move forward. And the thing is, if you are convinced that your logo and your identity is perfect, you will know how to sell it to people, and people will already be convinced by it. And there's a they they tell you you can't you know you can't love someone if you don't love yourself, basically, and you can't have someone love you if you don't love yourself. You know what I mean? So how would you expect people to love the brand that you have if you are not convinced by it? So I think that I don't need to measure it. I just need to make sure that I sell it properly. And mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, people use it, uh, are embracing it, et cetera. I guess this is, this is the way we, we kind of pat ourselves on the back and then say, yes, we did a good job. By the way, I have a question in front of me, which I think is interesting from Firas. Go. Uh, sure, please go ahead. Hi, Firas, first of all. And he said that I know your background was in entertainment before Tabrid. So how did that take, how did you take the experience and apply it to the rebranding and repositioning of a traditional brand like Tabrid? <laughs> so yes, my background is pure entertainment. I was in, in film, in the film industry. I was in, you know, tourism industry and, and TV and radio and whatnot. 
And when I got my job in utilities, they're like, oh, so you want to go die? I'm like, okay, no. Um, but when I did go, I realized that the sky is the limit in regards to creativity. And, and the fact that it's a dry industry, everything that I had from before of creativity and, and that, that bandwidth of going crazy with my marketing campaigns and strategies completely assisted me and which kind of reflects on my, my market reach, which started with the company at 279,000 people reading our news to closing 2020 at a whopping 1.4 billion people reading our news. And then you're talking about like a 500% increase in our market share. Our, our share price doubled in the past year. So, so all the creativity and the craziness that I, I have kind of played well and voted well with, with the entire brand change and, and me being part of the Tiburi family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you can, in any industry, especially now, you can think out of the box. Oh, definitely. Any and industry. the thing is, yeah. when, when you're in marketing and communications, you can sell anything. It's, it's just a product. It's, it's communications, <laughs> communications, communications. It's just like, it's talking about a different product. It's, it's understanding how to, how to sell that, understand your product, understand your brand, and, and, uh, and get how to write the messaging around it and, and make it appealing to the people like looking at it or reading about it. Cool. Fantastic. Great. And on that note, I think we're, we're dot on the hour almost. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm very so impressed. <laughs> I am very impressed. <laughs> we managed to do it at the hour. That's impressive, really. <laughs> Um, I'd like to thank you again, Saad, for your time today. Thank you, Dalia. And thank you to our audience. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work and read our thought leadership on SeagullGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, leave us a review. See you next time.